You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, if you haven't had the opportunity to stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and talk with a battery specialist, you need to do that because these guys are very knowledgeable about every kind of battery, hence the name Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera to your rangefinder, any battery that you need, these guys can help you find. Even if it's a specific, unique, one-off battery, these guys can help you find what you need. If you want to find out more information on Interstate Batteries, about their brand, about their history, about the company in general, and all the batteries they offer, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas. With me today are both Andy and Micah. How's it going? What's up, fellas? What's up? Got a good one today. I think it's going to be unforgettable. (laughs) He's back, folks. He's back. (laughs) Coming in strong. Hey, I stole this, but I'm I'm still going to use it. Where do you store all of your dad jokes? My head. In your database. (laughs) 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyways, Is that enough dad jokes for the day. No, I got covered. I it. think you even do one in the episode too. So we're gonna really oh, man. ruin everybody. So we got a good one today. Uh, today we got our buddy Ethan McCabe on to talk about some trapping. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's had a lot of good success. Got a lot of animals. We're actually looking at a lot of his furs right now. Yeah, he came out uh, to sit down with us and brought some some different uh, pelts and furs. And I mean, gosh, we got pretty much every animal that you can think of to trap in our state is laying in my office right now yeah pretty cool yeah so um obviously you're gonna listen to the show but make sure you stick around for the ending because there's actually going to be a giveaway so yeah there will be there at the end you'll get all the details on what you need to do to be entered into that so pay attention yeah pay attention during the show yeah take notes yeah write it down well i don't know if i'd go that far but you get what we're saying sorry so, all right. Well, here it is. Enjoy, Enjoy the, show. the show. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. All right. With us today is our buddy, Ethan McCabe. Ethan, what's up, man? I'm much. How are you, man? Good. 
Um, so today we're going to cover some trapping. Uh, Ethan is a uh, a trapper. Imagine he is a that. trapper. He's a friend of ours. Yep. I've known, aka bearded trapper. Correct? Yeah, the bearded trapper. The bearded trapper. Yeah. Go give him it. a follow for sure. He's right. always trapping something. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's uh-huh. trapping at my house right now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But no. Uh, We've known Ethan for quite a few years. Me and him, we used to go to the same church and stuff. And mm-hmm. he's been trapping over at my brother's for how many years now? Five, I Five think. Five years. Yeah, gotten a lot of that. stuff off of it. And so he's recently started trapping Nathan's. And it sounds like he's been trapping a few people that you know, too, Andy. So. Yeah, I've known Ethan. Shit, yeah. We went to school, we went school together. together, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know yeah, that. Big uh, yeah. yeah. You're, you're yep. same. You're a year younger. I'm a year younger, younger than you, yeah. I think. Nice. Yep. So before we get into this too much, uh, Ethan, why don't you, uh, you introduce yourself to everybody, uh, where you're from, which we pretty much said, um, and then um, I guess we can ask him the generic question we ask people. What's your favorite thing about the Missouri outdoors? All right. Well, I'm Ethan McCabe. Right now, I call Blue Springs home. I'm from Higginsville. Um, pretty much favorite thing that I love about Missouri outdoors is just the broad general things we've got i mean you can trap most of the winter long you can deer hunt you can turkey hunt um all the fishing that we've got i mean just all the opportunities it's never endless to say yeah. the least it's funny that that is generally the answer we get almost every time in in different words in different words yeah. different ways yeah. different locations people in the south i mean people everybody is just talks about the vastness of opportunities right. which is why we started this podcast yeah i mean there's always something to do i mean in the spring, you got turkey hunting. Yep. In the summer, you got fishing. You got working on food plots and stuff for your deer. And then in the fall, you've got deer hunting. If you fall turkey hunt, you've got that. And then you've got rifle seasons that rolls in the winter. And then for me, after rifle season, it's just straight trapping. Yeah. <laughs> trapping is a hobby. That's pretty much. It it's takes up most of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping somebody would get that besides yeah. me. So how long have you been trapping for? Hold, 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 hold on. What? Gosh, let's warm up a little bit, Micah. He just wants to dive right in. Yes. My gosh. Going in dry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's pretty kind. Let's talk about some deer hunts. <laughs> uh, that was deer season for you. I was pretty good. I filled both my tags, which was nice. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, you and one thing I've been following, you started hunting out of the saddle. That's what I was going to ask him. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I did, and that was quite an experience to good say experience. the least. So how were you hunting before? Were you hunting out of lock-ons? Yeah, lock-ons and just normal tree stands, ladder yeah. stands and whatnot, and ground blind during rifle were you? Did you have a mobile set up? I was with a lock on prior to. Nope, I was old faithful. I always hunted that tree and that yeah. tree always, and I never moved anything. And I realized I was kind of burning out a few spots. I'd have deer that would always just look in that tree and see if I'm there or not. I'm just <laughs> like, hmm, I need to change something up. So I've been looking into saddle hunting for probably a couple of years. And then my brother had texted me and told me, he's like, hey, man, you know, this is something we really need to look into. And I was like, all right. So I started digging more into it, and I just finally bit the bullet. I sold all my stands, sold everything, just oh, wow. to buy all my equipment. Really? I was like, I'm, I'm invested. Nice. nice. So, yeah. I mean, do you enjoy it? I do. I love it. It's nice to just kind of be able to walk into a new place. I started hunting more public ground this year. Um, okay, hold on. What is that sound? Someone's calling. <laughs> what is that? I have no idea. Someone's calling 911. Oh. Oh, that might have been me. <laughs> Someone just called 911 and said, hello, 911. I don't know. That might have been me. We'll see here in a second. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to pause real quick, folks. Hold on. All right, we're back. 
<laughs> so for the listener that might not have heard any of that, uh, if you can pick up, and we are good, this is, this is a funny story. Uh, if you could pick up, there was an alarm that started going off about like what, uh, well, just real a, time, like 30 seconds ago. Cause I paused the recording right. and we're all looking at each other. Like, what is that? That's everybody staring at each other. thinking it's each other's phone. Right. And nobody, <laughs> nobody made a reaction. And then you probably can't pick it up in the show or in the, in the speakers that you're listening through, but the, a phone was ringing in the background. <laughs> Just a, a slight, you know, you barely hear, little, hear it. And then next thing I hear is, hello, 911. In a faint voice. <laughs> like it was like a toy in the background. So I'm like, yeah. yeah, we're like, what the hell's going on? So about that time, um, we all start looking because this 911 operator is talking through one of our phones somewhere. Right. And uh, finally, Ethan pulls his phone out and he had accidentally somehow <laughs> leaned against his phone. <laughs> <laughs> and pressed a button long enough to send an SOS and called 911. Yeah. Johnson County. <laughs> yeah, first off, I don't live in Johnson County, so why is Johnson County 911 picking that's up? Just, that's funny. Maybe that's just where the That is a good question at. because all of it runs through one location in Lafayette County. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. I am close to Johnson County. You're right. But, uh, it's a good thing it wasn't a real emergency. Yeah. <laughs> right? This is going to take them a minute. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, uh, sorry, wh- folks. That was did, just. Where did we leave off? I don't even <laughs> I know. I don't even know. Oh, that was hilarious. You got into saddle hunting. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, dove, I just dove straight in and sold everything, all my tree stands and everything, just to kind of recoup some of my expenses, yeah. all my whole setup. Because it's not cheap getting no, into that saddle hunting. I mean, you can get in it kind of cheap, kind of, as loosely mm-hmm. used here. All right. Um, but you kind of get what you pay for to a certain extent. Sure. Um, I just kind of said to hell with it. And what brand did you, did you go? So I've got a Phantom, tethered Phantom saddle. Okay. I've got some Shakar sticks from out on a limb. Mm-hmm. And then I have also used some rope cause I do two different methods. I climb up with my sticks and then I also DRT. Okay. The dual rope. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of interesting. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm Sweet. very minimalistic. So I know I used to like have a backpack full of everything. Right. I'm carrying well, way too I much am. stuff. Yeah, that's how I am. And so, so now this year, it's nice to just everything goes in a backpack. I walk in, I find a tree, and I'm like, all right, this looks good. You know, look for fresh sign and whatnot. Shimmy up there, however high I want to go. It's nice to be able to like, I want to get to that branch and not have to worry about how I'm going to get there. That's pretty cool. That is sweet. Okay, comfort. Is it comfortable? Yep. My first set, I was in it for probably seven hours oh wow and it was phenomenal i was in a crotch in a tree i tied off to one side and i leaned back against the other hmm. and i just chilled there for that's, hours and i saw because that's been my biggest thing i listened to actually the ohio huntsman i think it was yeah he did, he did a deal on saddles and he wasn't too impressed with them honestly yeah, i mean it's but, not for everybody and yeah. i mean i've got lower back issues and i was afraid it was gonna yeah, like, you, hurt my back because I, mean, I had back surgery in july yeah and i thought i was gonna be done for but hmm. It was it was easy. I so, mean, what do you do, or how do you just put it in your lap, or what, like your your bow or your gun or whatever you're hunting with? So I've got a little uh, hanger that goes around the tree. Everything's 100 okay. percent publicly and legal because yeah. you can't penetrate the bark on a tree. Right. So it's a little strap that goes around and hooks into itself. Okay. And then my bow hangs on there. I've got some hero clips. Yeah, gotcha. I've got, I've got one of those for my uh, public land, my running, running gun, gun. setup. Okay. Yeah, and of course I don't don't saddle, saddle hunt yet, but. It's it's intrigued me, but I've yeah, we've all I'm kind of like you. I've spent so much money mm-hmm. getting my run and gun quote unquote set up myself set the way I like it. Yep. I really want to try it more often <laughs> before right. I, I switch. So I don't know. And I, 
it's it's intriguing for sure but yeah, it's nice i mean uh, i also have a tiny little platform from out on a limb mm-hmm. it's just a tiny it's mm-hmm. like seven by 13 wide i mean it's just wide enough i can put both feet on it and i kind of veer around the tree and i can lean all day if i want and if i get bored then i can kind of just sit down and straddle the tree or lean one way or lean the other way it's not bad can huh. you take a good nap no Damn it. now they do make a back strap <laughs> That you can hook up to it, and it's called the recliner. I haven't yeah. bought it yet, but I'm sure if I had it, I could probably see some naps going yeah. down. See, I, this is the one thing I'll, I'll say. <laughs> I can see Nate just hanging from the tree. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. You guys are texting him, Nate, are you okay? You haven't laid it out. This is the safest thing to do, but one of my favorite things about, so my harness is a muddy safety yeah. harness, mm-hmm. and it, for anybody that wears a muddy uh, the one I have has a bit of an elastic give, yeah. like pull, I guess you'd call it, and... I can, I can grab my straps on my safety harness with my my hands around my my pec area, and just lean forward, and just fall asleep right there in the tree. <laughs> I don't know why you weren't seeing any deer. Yeah, <laughs> they never saw anything. Yeah, you Maybe. weren't seeing it. <laughs> I <sure>. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, it's really nice when you get really really tired. Just take that five minute cap net and you just. It's so fun. So uh, that's <laughs> something I'm gonna have to pay attention to. I don't know, man. Uh, all right. What were we talking about today? Trapping, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into trapping in the first place? So I got tired of seeing so many coyotes while I was deer hunting and not having a quick enough shot to get them or they'd be too far away or where I wasn't comfortable. And I tried predator hunting and I am not the best <laughs> to say the least. I was very unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, there's gotta be a better way. There has to be a way that you could get these coyotes all the time. So then I started looking, and I was like, ah, trapping. You know, it makes sense to have a tool that's out there working for you 24-7. You just have to check on it once a day. I mean, Missouri Missouri law is every 24 hours you have to check on it. And so I dug into that a little bit, and I was like, all right, you know, how much is it going to cost to get into this? As with any hobby, it's always either as expensive as you want it to be or as cheap as you want it to be. And so I kind of dug into that a little bit, and I finally just bit the bullet. I bought some traps from some guy used uh from like north of columbia or something mm-hmm. bought him from him kind of talked to him a little bit got some more info from him and then my buddy his uncle used to do some trapping and he just gave him some traps to give to me so the very nice. f- very first thing i went to go out and try and catch we were trying to there was a red fox running around in their backyard on the edge of town and i was trying to catch it and we were inside eating dinner or something and then i was like well, let's go out there and see what we caught because i was just using some old deer scraps Look back there, and there's something moving around back there, and there was a raccoon back there. And that was in my buddy's backyard. <laughs> so then we're like, oh, how do we take care of this, you know, and figured out how to dispatch it. And then I had skinned coons and stuff, so I used to coon hunt when I was younger with some of my buddies from school. So then it was just kind of like it was a little evolution from there. It was just like, all right, you know, move on from this. And I caught a bunch of raccoons at first. It took me a couple of years to even catch my first coyote. Yeah. And that's, I mean, once you kind of start figuring stuff out, it's, it all kind of clicks, but... As with anything kind of in the outdoors. Yeah, it's a great right. really. learning process. Right. You know. Always a learning curve. Now, how long it takes you to learn is kind of up to you. And mm-hmm. How dumb or how smart are you? Pretty much. <laughs> well, and how much effort you put into it. I mean, there's right. a lot of, I mean, you brought a book right here to, to kind of show us. It's uh, Farmland Fur Trapping, Complete Guide, or Complete Guide to Farmland Fur Trapping. So, I mean, if you want to sit down and read this book, obviously you're going to learn a lot faster if you're just figuring it out on your own. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of back before YouTube became real big. Yeah, I'm right. sure now you can go on YouTube and learn. Yeah, a now lot. there's just hours and hours and mm-hmm. hours of stuff, and 
everybody and their brother has a video on how to do the same thing. And so, and that was back when everybody was kind of tight-lipped about how they did everything. <laughs> yeah, they wanted so to keep it, was, it their it secret. It was real hard. I mean, that barrier to entry was hard to break through. Right. Once I started doing it, and then I was telling my buddy about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I used to trap. And he's like, hell, I'll get back into it. So then my property would butt up to his property, so then we just started running a line together. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from him, and that was stuff that he had learned from other people. Yep. I mean, it's kind of like a little heritage passing it on between people and whatnot. And We've talked about that on the show before. It's just that, that camaraderie you build in the outdoors. You know, just another way it goes to show how you just, you know, you, you get those bonds with people and they just keep passing information down and you spend that time checking traps with them, I'm sure, and mm-hmm. enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, and you, you learn quicker too. Yeah, right? yeah, I mean. It takes away that learning curve real mm-hmm. quick. Yeah, I, I mean, anything you do. I'm, when I first started bow hunting, I pretty well bow hunted by myself. And I sucked. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm not kidding. There was times I'm like, I don't think deer actually exist. Because yeah, I would never see them. And then, you, you know, I started actually listening to podcasts and then um, started doing more with, like, my brother-in-law, Russell, as far as stuff together. And, oh, my gosh. You start seeing deer and you start doing this. and It's kind of like, like what we said. Once you break that threshold threshold or whatever yeah then it kind of opens the floodgates and you know you get more success and seeing more things and yeah. things of that nature so it's like i know when i first started it was everybody would tell you you know you had to measure like everything had to be set in exact distance like the first two years i was out there with a the tape measure measuring everything <laughs> I'm like by the book it says it's supposed to be right well it wasn't working when I come to realize, you know, it's not exactly by the book. It's just kind of like, eh, it works if it works. And if not, you know, you kind of got to figure it out what works for you. I'm sure right. you get a feel for things after a while. This set, and you need to have it this distance. And, well, I've seen this before, and you probably need to have it over here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This has worked before, and this hasn't worked. Right. What the hell, I'm going to try something new. Yep. And then it turns out it works, and you're just kind of like, hmm, all right, that's a nice little trick to add back to the bag, and maybe it'll work again later on. Yeah. Might so, be a one-time thing. You might be on to something. Yeah. Yep. So, like, when you go out, because we talked about it a little bit, and you got different properties in different areas and trapping different things. So, when you go out to a certain property, are you listening to the landowner or whatever, and you're thinking, this is what I'm going here for, so I'm going to set my traps up for that specifically? Or how does that work? So, like, let's say somebody new comes up and is like, hey, I want this taken care of. So, like, Nate, prime example. Right. You said you had coyote problem. I was like, all right. And then you said, while you're here, you know, I've got this lake or this pond. I used to have some muskrats in it. Let's look at it. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I know my main goal when I show up here is coyotes. Is there a possibility I'm going to catch other things? Yes. You know, so I kind of make sure that you know that. Right. I always ask, you know, is there animals running around like dogs or cats or whatnot? You know, because there is a chance that they could get caught. I mean, this is a trap. It's not. It doesn't discriminate on what gets caught. <laughs> It doesn't know if this is a cat, and it's not supposed to catch it. It doesn't know if this is a coyote, and this is what I'm here for. Right, or a person's foot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was one of the first things. You know, I've got four kids. One of the first things when Ethan started trapping here was uh, I took the boys down there, and I said, we're not coming down to the pond for the next, you know, a couple months, and if we do come fishing, we don't go near these things. Right. Um. You know, just because, well, kids, I mean, are kids, and sometimes right. they don't realize how dangerous something is either. Right. Which um, is, I mean, it's not like it's going to break their foot or nothing. And we're not talking about those big old bear traps. No, no, we're not talking that, about a bear trap, but, but you know, it's going to hurt. On a side note, when Matthew, my brother, when he kind of got into it a little bit, 
he trapped my dog one time. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I lived in a house a few doors down from him. He trapped my dog once. And then we, at a hunting property that we had for deer, uh, there was cows on it. And one of the calves actually got its hoof stuck in there or whatever. So, I mean, that kind of pissed off the farmer a little bit. You know, understandable. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of going in and making sure that everybody's aware. Right. You know, this yeah. is what I'm here for. This is what this is your main goal. This is what I'm here for. This is what I'm going to try to do. This is what can happen. But I'm going to do everything I can to make it not happen. Right. And so for here, you know, your main goal is coyotes. So I set up four traps for coyotes. Well, really three traps for one. Three traps for coyotes and one trap just as kind of a blind set. And we'll see what happens. Whatever happens, happens. Is that the one in the wood pile you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, by the brush pile. Yeah. 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 And so I'm like, you know, I asked you, send me a, send me your address so I can look at it from an aerial view. Cause I'm mm-hmm. starting to look at things differently and I can, you know, I can kind of tell where the coyotes are running cause they like to run waterways. I mean, I'm not going to go put one in the middle of your hay field for no reason. Right. You know, it'd take them all year to maybe find that thing, but it's just kind of going in with a mind, you know, like, so your brother Matt's place, it was, I started there because he was losing chickens. Mm-hmm. He still had chickens and guineas and he was losing them. So I started there because the main goal was coyotes, bobcats, foxes, and right, then he's yeah. also he's also a beekeeper, so he doesn't like possums, skunks, and raccoons. Right. So it's just an overall just predator management in general. Yep. So I trap mats a little bit different than I trap nates. Right. You know, nates I'm out here strictly for coyotes. I mean, there's a possibility of maybe a cat running through, possibly a fox. Sure. You never know, but like it mats. I know everything's fair game, so I set it up a little bit differently. It's kind of a, a general trapping spot compared to Nate's. Yeah. And well, and, and I think the bigger a bigger thing, too, is communication, like you are just talking about. Uh, when, you, when I first reached out to you about trapping my place, I also talked to my neighbor and said, hey, I've got a buddy that's going to come trap, and I knew that my neighbor mm-hmm. has some pond issues. And so I, I said, you know, he might be willing to – to trap muskrats if you do have a problem out there and one of the things that uh we talked to him about was coyotes there too he actually has probably a better setup for you for coyotes but he also has a dog yep that runs uh you know during the day loose and so it was a um, a decision right to not trap for coyotes over there yep. and that's where communication comes in yep. mm-hmm. right so that um you know, because maybe my neighbor has no idea how trapping works and thinks, oh, yeah, you can just set up for coyotes over here and then his dog gets caught. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I think communication's big too. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a dumb question. Yo. What are the different types of traps? So there's a few different ones. There's a typical coil spring, which has two levers on the sides and then the actual jaws, and there's different sizes in okay. that category. There's a long spring, which has one long spring kind of like when you think of like an old mountain man trapper that's mm-hmm. packing around the traps and stuff those are normally like long springs what you think of gotcha um there's a cable restraint which is a device that's used on land it has its own set of rules and stuff um there's a snare which has to be used underwater in the state of missouri okay. similar to a cable restraint but not and then there's the conibear which is a killing trap which has its own set of rules and regulations like anything over five inches can't be on dry land Huh. It has to be in the water, half submerged at maximum or minimum. And those are things that you're going to use for like beaver, beaver, beaver otter, gotcha, that kind okay. of stuff. Yeah, because like you said before, they don't discriminate. So those are the ones that you might kill your neighbor's dog. Or yeah, so, you yeah, know, those uh, are the the conor bears are a killing trap. Yeah. I mean, it's 
sole purpose is to kill the animal instantly, humanely as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what traps are. They're scientifically proven to be as humane as possible. I mean, they're everything else is a live trap. And so if I, you know, I catch something that I'm not after, I can go release the animal unharmed. If I do catch something like that, I always check them over and make sure there's no no damage done to the foot or anything like that, and then right. send them on their merry way. You know, I mean, it's, it is possible it does happen, but I try yeah. not to. Yeah, sure. And then there's the old faithful box trap, cage trap, live trap. Gotcha. You know, that every farmer's got running around to get the <laughs> raccoons out <laughs> yeah. of the barn. Yep. You know, that kind of thing. Those are the main ones. Hmm. I mean, and I don't use a lot of long springs because I'm just not as familiar with them. I mean, I have some, but. I more prefer coil springs and cable restraints and conveyors. You were kind of explaining those to me uh, last week or whenever when you were out here about the difference between, like, one you might use for a, a coyote mm-hmm. compared to one you might use for a fox. Yep. There's you different know. sizes. And then there's... There's different, like, tensions and stuff, too, in the springs, or...? Uh, so, it's... There's a difference between, like, a two-coil and a four-coil. A four-coil okay. is going to have more power to slam shut yeah. or close on the foot. Um, the pan tension you can get in you can adjust with tightening a bolt okay and that adjusts like how much pressure is put down before the trap fires um i mean there's a bunch of things you can get in and tinker with them a lot yeah. i mean it just depends on personal preference like i bought some of the cheap ones when i got started mm-hmm. and i enjoy tinkering with stuff so mm-hmm. i've put in the time on the bench and made them how i want them to be now you can spend the money and you can get some that are pretty much ready to go out of the box right that just costs you a lot more yeah I mean, I've never missed them. I didn't had. I had no clue. No. Huh. I mean, it's kind of a. It's kind of became like a forgotten thing. You're right. I mean, they're few and far between. A lot of older people, older generations, they used to do it because fur used to be worth some good money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I, I know of a few guys that paid for school, paid for trucks, just off running a winter line. One winter, they could pay for a brand new truck back then. You know, which was a couple thousand dollars. Sure. Right. Yeah, I had a buddy. Uh, him and his dad, and they strictly did coons trapping raccoons and his goal was he wanted to buy a new rifle every time he after each season or whatever yep. and i mean he had a lot i went and helped him flesh him out one time and i mean i was amazed how many coons i mean it was crazy hmm. crazy yep. but i know i missed the last fur boom by like a couple of years yeah when i first started getting into it you could a bigger raccoon you could get 20 bucks yeah. That's nowadays crazy. you can't even really give them away Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't do it for the money. I mean, it is nice to make a little money if I do, but I do it mainly for predator management to kind of help out landowners. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, with your yeah. brother, yeah, I've been out there five years now, five or six years. You know, he lets me keep coming back and terrorizing his place. Yeah, <laughs> and you've yeah. had a lot, a lot of good ones taken off there. Would yeah. I know you've at least gotten one melanistic? I was gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> one melanistic coyote off there. Yep, black coyote. People that just know, and then. uh how many bobcats have we got in there? Four. four oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Four bobcats. Four. One mil- and how many coyotes do you think? Hey, um, Nate, maybe you should go to trapping instead. I'm over. <laughs> I might have to. I'm over 20. <laughs> over mats. 20 coyotes? Yeah. yeah. So Over I all mean, these years. Holy yeah. crap. Five years? Yeah. Yeah. Just on one farm. Maybe I should go to trapping. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would be really cool, too, about it, I think, is, and I haven't tra- trapped either before, but, you know, just from you starting to trap here, me and the boys get up every morning. Mm-hmm. that you've had you know the, the trap set and uh look outside the back windows with our binoculars and see if i mean it's like every time you go to s- check your sets mm-hmm. it's it's like christmas morning you it know is. you know you, you might know. get coal in your stocking 
or you might, you know, have an awesome get a fox. <laughs> uh, I mean, I can only imagine like the the day you walked up to that that black coyote. Oh, that that blew my mind. You know, I mean, what a day. That that's just got to be, you know, and we're sitting here recording and you brought a bunch of different furs. You know, there's two bobcats here, a red fox, a gray fox. I mean, some really cool stuff that you you're like you walk up on it and it's it's almost like checking trail cams. Yeah. Except it's a but real you, actual animal. Like you have to hunt <laughs> while you're doing it. Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah, that's a, awesome. That's a real time trail camera track pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the best part. So do you do you think you like it better than you actually do the hunting? Or do you think? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'll take trapping over hunting any day. Really? I'll, I'll bow hunt until rifle season and then rifle season, try to hurry up and fill my tags. And then I wait. And normally I try to set traps like December 1st every year. Trapping season starts normally in the middle of November, mm-hmm. but I always wait till December first or after, just so that way all the fur is good and prime. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure that when I harvest an animal, I want to be able to use the whole thing. Yeah, I don't want to just be taking animals that aren't in their prime yet, and then, I mean, I still use them, but I won't get as much out of them yeah. as I could. So I mean, it took me a few years to kind of realize that, and it's kind of December to January. Land season ends January 31st, mm-hmm. and then water season, you've got otters and muskrats, which run, I think, until the 15th of February, and then beaver, okay. you've got all the way till the end of March. So it took me a while to kind of realize, you know, I need to kind of stagger them out, you know, focus on these animals this time, and then these animals at this time, because before I was just trying to, like, a shotgun blast, you know, effect, yeah. you know, trying to cover everything all at once, and I was spreading myself super thin, and it made it hard. So now it's just kind of like, right now, mainly... Mainly focusing on my foxes, coyotes, and bobcats. You know, if I catch a raccoon here and there, that's fine. If I catch a skunk or a possum, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, come towards the end of January, I'll slowly start switching over to a lot of my water stuff. So that way I can keep going. Just because I like being out in the outdoors and enjoying it. And it keeps me. It keeps me going. I mean, it's almost therapeutic to a certain extent. Well, and you sent me a uh, video of the coyote. So he caught a coyote here last week. Christmas Eve. Okay, there you go. Um, and, uh, sent me a video you took of it and it's, it's kind of cool. You get to interact with that animal, you know, for a, however long until you dispatch of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, obviously they're not in their natural state cause they're pissed off. Yeah. But it, it is, I mean, it's gotta be pretty cool that you were then feet of a, a coyote or a bobcat or whatever. And, yeah. um, I mean, to me, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's a different experience. Cause I mean, these animals have thousands of acres that could be in their home range. And to get one to specifically put their foot exactly where you want on that one to two inch square pan. That takes a little bit of skill. I mean, sometimes a lot of luck. But it kind of takes knowing that animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing their personality, knowing how they act and how they walk and how they do things. And, you know, you kind of become more in tune with the animals. And it just it takes it to a whole different level. I mean, to get that animal to walk specifically and put their foot right there. Well, like you were talking earlier, whether or not, you know, you're always told it needs to be however many inches away from something. Well, now you learn, well, if I'm after, it could be a coyote bobcat, it's going to walk a little bit outside of a tree line. It's not going to, you know, like you're talking about waterways versus open hay fields. I mean, yeah. It took me a long time to kind of figure that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Could you take us through a quick, we'll just do coyote because, I mean, I would assume that's a lot. If somebody's getting into trapping, they probably either want to trap coyotes or raccoons or something like that could you take us through a quick setup of something what that looks like yeah so like once i pull up onto a place i kind of have a rough idea of what i think of where i where i think the animals are going to be 
So then I kind of get to that spot and I just kind of stand there and look around. And I'm like, all right, does this really look like a good spot? Am I seeing any fresh sign? Am I seeing any, any scat anywhere? Am I seeing any obvious trails? Am I seeing any fur sticking on barbed wire fences or anything like that that tell me, hey, they're crossing here, so this is their path? Once I find a specific spot, then I'm kind of like, all right, depending on the time of the year, it depends on what I use. So like in December, it's a lot of food-based stuff. Come January, it's a lot of uh, territorial breeding habits. So it just depends on what kind of set I use. So like when I set up here at Nate's place, I looked at the map. I seen a waterway coming off onto the neighbors onto the north side of his. Mm-hmm. He's got a pond dam there. And I'm like, all right, they're going to cruise the pond dam side more than they will the non-dam side because of your neighbor's house and your house and they're going to want to slip along that fence side just to kind of get in and out easier without being seen i did find some fresh poop up there scat whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it and so i'm like all right this is kind of an obvious you know i need to set something here so i find a spot and i decide whether i'm going to do like a dirt hole set or a flat set or just a blind set nine times out of ten in december i'll do like a dirt hole so I have a, my drill, and I have a two-foot auger on it that drills a two-inch hole. I drill that in the ground as far as I can at like a 45-degree angle roughly. And then I come back out of the hole, like from the tip of my thumb to the tip of my pinky, kind of go that far distance away, and I just kind of offset it left or right, whichever foot I think I want to target. Um, and then I start digging my trap bed, and I'll grab my trap out of my bag. I'll set it open, make sure that my bed's big enough for my trap. I'll anchor my trap into the ground. Um, there's different ways you can do that, and that's kind of all personal preference. Um, I run some earth anchors into the ground. It's a 15-inch cable with the, with the anchor on the end that once it goes in, you pull on it, and it goes from being vertical to horizontal, so that way you can't pull it out. And then I will start bedding my trap in the ground. Since we're in December and we're in Missouri, mm-hmm. we get all the wonderful freezing and thawing and freezing and thawing. So I have some calcium chloride. It's basically like your rock salt or your uh, sidewalk salt or whatever. I sprinkle that down, and that keeps the bed of the trap from freezing. So then I will put the trap in the ground, make sure it's bedded solid because you don't want them. If they step on the trap or around the pan, you don't want it moving under their feet because they'll, they'll know something's up. So then I'll put a little bit of peat moss inside the jaws just so that way it will absorb any moisture and it still has enough give in it where they step on it. It'll allow that pan to fall down where it needs to to fire. And then I'll put more uh, calcium chloride on it. And then I'll start sifting it over with dirt and just kind of blending it in, making mm. it look like nothing's there. Hmm. So that hole that you dig in, that 45, the two foot or whatever, is that where you're putting your scent or your smell or something like that? Yep. So then oh, okay. when I'm all done and the trap's bedded in and blended in, I'll go get my bait and lure bag and I'll come walking over and I've got some sheep's wool because it has a natural smell to it. It's naturally water repellent. I'll put a little bit of bait in it, and I'll shove it in that hole and put it as deep as I can. Because you want them to be able to smell it. You kind of want them to be able to see it with the sheep's wool, but it has to be in that hole deep, so then that way they're at that spot longer working. Their feet are moving around more, so that way it kind of ups your percentage on them getting caught in the trap. They don't know when they're stepping on a trap. Yep. Their mind's already, there's something in that hole, and it smells good, and I want to get it. You've already kind of distracted them from there's something going on up there by their feet. And then I'll put a little bit of lure on the backing of it, whether it be like a gland lure, kind of make it territorial. So they think, hey, another coyote moved in and buried something here. I'm going to steal it from them. So then that's the the thought process there where you could put like a fox-based gland lure. 
So they think, hey, if Fox put something here, I'm definitely going to steal it from him because I don't like him. And I just learned like five times more than what I ever oh, yeah, knew about like, trapping here. I didn't know any of that. I mean. And, I, the, and then I just put a little bit of urine around it just to kind of cover it up. Yeah. I mean, they know that you're there. Now, to what extent? It depends on how well you do. Yeah. I mean, like, you're, you're not you, going to fool them all the way. Do you go in there? Do you do you spray yourself down with like any scent something? Or do you wear special gloves or anything like that? I wear the same gloves all winter long. I normally wear the same pair of overalls, my bibs, all winter long. Mm-hmm. I wear the same everything. I am not worried about trying to make them think that I wasn't there. Because I already know that. Because they there. know it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, it would be like walking into your house and moving something. And then trying to make it look like I didn't do it. You would walk in and just be like, that's not where I had that. Yeah, something. Something's no, 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 up. My Micah TV wouldn't. wasn't on that wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, Micah may not, but. I mean, Micah would be like, oh, a wily coyote. I man. didn't know we had that table. Awesome. Let me get that. I mean, you're not. Free gonna, food? You're not going <laughs> to fool that animal into thinking that you weren't there. <laughs> no, I get Who it. Who ordered Subway? <laughs> where did this, this is come awesome. from? <laughs> I would. Score. Yeah, that would be me. I'd eat it. I'd get trapped real quick. <laughs> You'd be the damn cow that got trapped 40 times and yeah. released because you were too ugly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 man. That was harsh. That was yeah. harsh. Good one, though. So, well, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Um, What's one of the craziest stories you've had? Yeah. Trapping. I mean, oh, man. how long have you been doing it? About five years, you said now? Nah, I've been doing it for like 10 years. Oh, almost. 10? Okay. Yeah. I thought you said Just five years at Micah's brother. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what's one of the crazier stories you've had happen? So I had, I've already got a couple. So one of the first ones. Go ahead. (laughs) First one, I was at your brother's house and I was having this fox that was messing with me. Just kept messing with me, kept digging up my traps. I'd move it and I'd redo it. And he'd come in that night and he'd dig it back up and I'd move it. And I just, he just kept whooping my butt. And I was like, I've got to do something different. I've got to do something different. So finally I was just like, ah. I remember I took a cable dynamite. I took a table (laughs) cable restraint class and I was like, all right, I've got some of those at home. So I made sure I had all the regs and stuff memorized. And I went back out and I set a cable restraint and I literally dug up chunks of grass and set them back in there. And I made a little fence. Like the only way he's getting through there is to run through that cable restraint. Like he has to, there's no, no ifs, ands or buts about it. And then it took me, three days two or three days to catch him because then he like realized something was up mm-hmm. and he wouldn't go through there because there was tracks in the snow like he walked up to it and it was like Mm-mm. went <laughs> back around and i'm just like man i'm getting my ass handed to me by a fox I'm like this is he's out fox does that count as a dad I don't know joke i said that loud of out fox andy <laughs> should andy you, you've been missing all the dad jokes lately, i have, so. been. I have yeah been I'll, I'll give you that one so then finally i remember your brother was letting me use this four-wheeler and i come riding back there to the back of the property and all of a sudden i looked over and i just see this fox just looking at me and i'm just like oh, i caught him i'm like today's the day and i go running over there i mean sure enough i caught him and so now he's mounting up on my wall <laughs> so that was my first fox i ever caught and my first catch in a cable restraint there nice. you go. so i mean it's sentimental to me so cable restraint is that kind of like um I mean, they run like they, you said they had to go through it and then it tightens yep. when they go through it. Is that what it'd be like comparable to like a choke chain? Okay, that's what I was kind of it doesn't, envisioning. It doesn't kill them, it doesn't strangle them. It's they pull on it, it gets tight, mm-hmm. and then and it, it kind of loosen. It, ba- it loosens a little bit, not a lot, not enough to where they can like slip their head out or anything, but it's enough to where they're still alive there. And if, if you caught something you weren't after, like a dog or something, you can let them go. Gotcha. 
So that's one of the, that's something that's special in Missouri, and there's a few other states that have cable restraint laws. Um, but, I mean, it was cool to finally catch him, and I'm like, I finally got you. Yeah. The tiny little red fox. I mean, he's not small, but, I mean, just in general, foxes are small. Yeah. To finally catch him, I mean, that was that was the best part. And that's then, pretty awesome. So, real quick before you get to the next one. So the difference between a cable restraint and a snare? A snare. Is this restraint made for the head? So a snare will lock down and uh-huh. it will not back off. And so they will choke them. Choke them out. Yeah, they will strangle, oh, so, okay, they'll okay. strangle themselves. So it's made to kill them. Yep. The snare is made to the kill. The restraint is just made to hold. Yep. Learn something new every day. I could probably talk for hours. <laughs> but And then the next one, it was the same year. It was, I had had a bobcat mess with a set on the other side of the creek. And I was just kind of like, all right, you know, maybe I'll catch him. You know, because your brother asked me when I first started out there, he's like, you ever caught a bobcat? And I'm like, nope. Just being honest, never caught one. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of like, well, all right, well, there's there's some back here. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of my goal. It's like, I want to catch one, you know, be able to prove that I can do it. And, you know, just to kind of help, help my little experience and my ego yeah. just by that much more. <laughs> so... He kept messing with me, and I'd miss him. And then he'd come back like a week later, and I'd miss him. And he'd check stuff out, and like every time he'd check something out, I'd move something just a little bit just to make it new every time. Mm-hmm. So then finally I'd got off work one day, and I was like, I need to go check my traps real quick. And so I ran out there, and it was on your brother's birthday because I remember this. And I pull up, hop on the four-wheeler, nothing in my traps up front, and I'm driving back there, and I'm looking at the set from afar, and I'm like, something doesn't look right. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look right. I shut the four-wheeler off, and I get off, and I stand there, and I'm like, what doesn't look right here? And then there was this tall grass that the bobcat had kind of laid down in. And all of a sudden, I'm looking, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's a bobcat. I finally got him. I finally got this son of a bitch. And so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I can't believe I caught it. And I'm like, hang on, how well is he caught? Because I don't want to be one of those guys that has had something caught in a trap and they didn't have it very well. And all of a sudden it just boop pops off and runs Gone. away. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, all right. He's from caught a really, really high good. high to a low, low really quick. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh, he's caught really good. So then I'm like, all right. So I dispatch him and then I call your brother. Cause I think your brother was, I think they were at your sister's house or something. Probably drunk off margaritas or something. No, cause it was, <laughs> it was in the middle of his birthday party. I think whoever's house, he's like, I'll be there in a minute. He left his own birthday party. They came to the house. He's like, you really caught it? And I'm holding it up, and he was all excited. It was a gorgeous cat, too. Is that the one that's here? No, that one. That one's mounted on my wall, too. Yeah, you That was an expensive year. Your brother's place has cost me a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Because that's the same place you got the black coyote off of as well. Did you mount that one? Yep. Yeah. She's at the taxidermist now, too. Jeez. That's awesome. That's probably my last favorite story. I had skipped work that day from my day job. I was off for my night job. And so I had skipped work, and I'm like, I'm not going in. So I slept in, and I was like, I'll finally go check traps. I go around the north side of the farm, and I had nothing up front, and then I caught a coyote in the back, so I was all excited. And then I'm dragging that coyote up, and I just happened to walk past this cable, and I'm like, that doesn't look right. And there's a big catch circle. I mean, all the grass is laid down and everything, and I'm like, oh, man, I missed something. And all of a sudden, this coyote just kind of picks his head up and looks at me. And I'm like, that's a black coyote. I'm like, is that really a coyote? And I'm looking at it, and, like, it almost looked German Shepherd-like. <laughs> Who's dog? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I'm just like, is that really a coyote? And I'm looking at her, and I'm walking all around her, and I'm just like, I'm pretty sure that's the black coyote that Matt's seen because your brother had seen him. Right. Or seen her a few times. 
And so I'm just, I call him and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I caught the black coyote. Send me a picture. So I sent him a picture of it. And sure enough, that was one of them. I think there's another one running around. Really? I haven't caught him yet, but there's always hopeful. <clears throat> pretty gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing a picture of her. She's yeah. gorgeous. I laid her down to the other coyote that I caught and then just to sheer the, see the sheer color difference. I mean, she's jet black on her top and then it kind of works down. She's got a little white patch on her chest. Mm-hmm. And she's at the taxidermist too, but yeah, your brother's place is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's worked out. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's always stories. I mean, like these furs that are laying here, those are a lot of my first and seconds or, you know, that mean a lot to me. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And no, I mean, it's just like uh, any, uh, any other outdoorsman with whatever they oh. choose to choose as their, their uh, addiction. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, whether it's elk or deer hunting or fishing, I mean, the first one means a lot, you know, a certain story, you know, I was after this one a lot or whatever, and mm-hmm. I finally made it happen. Yeah. You know, they always mean a lot. Yeah. I think that's why the fox and the coyote, especially, because they'd been messing with me, and it was kind of a mission to get them. And then yeah. to finally get them, I was like, I finally got you, you. You know, and it was just kind of to mark that off the list. And mm-hmm. then they were my first in general. Yeah. So that made them even more special to me. Yeah. It, how much harder is it to cat? catch a cat rather than a dog is a pretty big difference or is it kind of just luck of the draw is it kind of the same setup yes and no cats are more visual Mm -hmm. so a lot of flash a lot of but they have a short attention span a little bit like nate (laughs) so it's kind of this is true so it's kind of a once you get their attention and then it's you got to get their attention to something else and then to something else and then it's finally they're close enough then they start using their nose but they're a lot of visual is where coyotes and foxes are more nose driven smell driven rather than scent or sight okay you know if a coyote sees something that's real flashy most of the time he's going to kind of steer clear of it and like "Mm -mm, something's not right over there i'm not in i mean there's always there's never there's never like a set rule which that took me a long time to realize i always thought you know you had to do this that it was always this way and always this way and it's never going to be anything different not true I mean, like the one, the one cat that I gave your brother two years ago, I caught right behind his house on that, on the little road that goes back there by the lagoon Mm -hmm. where I always catch coyotes. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to catch a cat there. I came walking up and I'm just like, what in the hell are you doing up here? (laughs) It was a gorgeous cat. But that was the one that I tanned. That was the same year I caught those other two there. That was a three cat year off that place. That's awesome. So let's let's get into the water a little bit. How are you with the muskrats? You've been getting those pretty good, or they're it's yes and no. I mean, I catch a fair share of them. Like I don't go specifically like knocking doors, but hey, can I go trap muskrats in your pond? Yeah, yeah, they're probably not worth anything, are they? Not really, and they're just they're so small. Worth getting out of the pond. Yeah, right. I mean they're yes. worth getting out of the pond because yeah. they do damage. Yeah, I mean that's the main reason why if somebody calls me, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll come help take care of you. And normally that ends up with like, hey, if you want to go fish here, you know, you can come fish whenever. Right. That's, that's kind of the awesome part about it. But, I mean, they're just kind of, there's a couple ways you can catch them. You can either find their dens where they go into the bank and you put a trap right in front of there, one of the small conner bears, and they swim right into it and it kills them instantly. Um, there's a, it's like a small cage trap that you can put in there and it's got one-way doors on each side. It's called a colony trap. And so that way you can catch more than one at a time. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And they just swim into it, and, I mean, they drown. 
but so that we can catch more than one rat. Whereas a whereas a conna bear is just a you catch one and then that trap spent. Right. So the colony trap's kind of another good way to do things if you're trying to get all of them out and as quick as possible. Yep. Yeah, I've been following. Um, actually, one of the supporters supporters of our show, Conservation Federation of Missouri, Colton Zirkel, mm-hmm. has started trapping this year. Yeah. And he he started with uh, muskrats. Um, somewhere where he lives, I guess there's a pond that's got a problem. I I bet he's already caught twenty. Yeah. Huh. I mean, oh yeah, normally like, they're in numbers. That's crazy. Yeah, he's uh, maybe not twenty, but at least dozens at this point. And I'm just like, man. And that's what I've always dozen. heard with. Don't you mean dozen? Because dozen, dozen. Sorry, that's, that's maybe it's twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, he I've always he heard where there's one, there's ten. I mean, they run in numbers, and they're they're definitely a numbers animal. Hmm. And then, like, where you normally find muskrats, you can typically find a mink because a mink eats muskrats. And so you can sometimes catch a mink on accident or on purpose, depends on who who you are and how you say it. (laughs) I have yet to catch one. So, like, that one there, that one was donated to me Mm -hmm. from a trapper down south because I taught a class a couple years ago at church, Mm -hmm. and I asked for some tan furs. People donated a few that I don't have. And so, like the mink, mink chase the muskrats, and you can catch mink on dry ground. But sometimes, if you hunt enough muskrats, you'll eventually catch a mink. So this little guy eats these. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, that one looks bigger. So everybody listening, I'm holding a muskrat and a mink <laughs> pelt in my hand, and the mink is much smaller as far as imagine size. Like a mink, you could basically imagine like a weasel. Yeah. They're kind of in the weasel family. Like to a, a ferret. Extent. Yeah, they look, yeah, yeah. Kind of, they look like yeah, a they ferret. Yeah, they do. Yep, look like a ferret. That's cool. Okay, and the one thing I did not expect you to bring tonight was this otter. And this thing is absolutely gorgeous looking. Mm-hmm. Super soft. I do was a tank. Yeah, I mean, it looks, I mean, I don't know how, how much do these usually get. Like, what's the average weight on something like this? Uh, probably in the 20s. Really? Be a, good, a good size one. That's pretty sweet. Probably in the teens would be good average weight. And I noticed this, you have, it's got a tag in it. So I'm assuming they're a lot like the bobcats, and you actually have to call them into the conservation. Is that how that works? Yep. So you have to call in bobcats and otters. You have to get what's called a CITES tag. So the conservation department keeps track of all these animals, of the, of the otters and the bobcats. And they like to keep track of how many numbers are harvested each year. Because a long time ago, the otters were actually almost extinct in Missouri. So they had to start bringing them back in from other states and start releasing them. So then they started, once they felt like we had a healthy population, then we could start trapping them. So that's kind of the reason. So the otters got a CITES tag and both those cats have tags. So, like, did you go out specifically for this otter or did you probably? So I knew that there was otters in that pond. I mean, I went there because he was having a beaver issue. Mm -hmm. And I saw the otter scat on the ground. And I was like, there's a possibility but I'm not like I'm here for the beavers, and if I catch an otter, that's a bonus. So I had put one set on the bottom side of this pond where I could tell they were coming from one to the other, and I was like, "This is kind of for the otters, but the beavers are using it too. So if I catch whatever, I catch whatever. It's a bonus for me." Mm-hmm. And then end up that day, I ended up catching an otter on the bottom side of the pond, and I caught an otter on the top side. Oh wow! Yeah, too. They were running together. That's pretty cool. Yep. So they run kind of with the beavers and stuff. Yep. So like. Th- the old saying is, is once you clean the beavers out of a place, the otters are moving because they'll take over their lodge and use it as their mm. own. Mm. That's wasn't exactly true on that one because I'd only pulled one beaver out of that farm before I caught those two otters that same that same night. And I mean, they all live 
together. Like one of the beavers that I pulled out of that lake had a big otter bite on his side oh, that was yeah. starting to heal up. Wow. Which was crazy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So beavers, how you you? That's probably something you go after quite a bit, right? It is. I mean, I mean, those that's a free, they kind of bring a little bit more money too, don't they? Not this year. Not this year. No, nope, not this year. But they just bring a lot of damage. Yes. Yeah, they yeah. are big damage control calls. I get a lot of calls. It's hey, I got a beaver that's moved in. It's destroying all the all the trees around my pond, and I like him here, and I want him gone. All right. So I go out and try and catch them, however. Or the beavers will go in and they'll start plugging up your overflow pipe. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. on a good heavy rain, next thing you know, your pond's flooded and washed out the dam. And now you got to have a, your pond rebuilt. So beavers will cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, so, I mean, that's – I'm not the best water trapper in the world to say it, but I've caught my fair share of them. I think last year I had 14 beavers. Oh, wow. And I caught seven of them off of the one place that I deer hunt. And then I caught some of the other ones at your buddy's place. And then a few other were just random phone calls from people. Hey, I noticed this beaver moving in. He's starting to cut down my trees. You know, can you get him out? Sure. You know, there's use the same style of traps. You can either use a foothold or you can use a conibear on your beavers and your otters. Um, You just kind of similar setups. You're either going off of food for them or you're going off of territory. Or you're doing a lot of blind sets where you can just see that they're going in and out of these spots. And you can put a trap in that like a 330 in that spot and they'll swim into it and it'll snap shut and kill them instantly nice very cool so and then like a lot of these animals so like the beavers and stuff um use their pelt the beavers have a caster gland in them that's used in bait and lure making like in trapping in general um that caster gland gets used in a lot of other things so it Mm. has a has a has an actual taste to it. I don't know who the first person was that said, hey, I want to taste that gland. <laughs> but whoever it was just discovered that it had an actual flavor to it. And it gets used in like a lot of food stuff. It gets used in a lot of makeup products. Really? Yeah. Um, if you ever see anything that has like natural castorium in the ingredients, there's a good chance wow. that it might have came from a beaver. And then like a beaver, you can actually eat it. They taste really good. That's what I've heard. No, it's basically like water beef. I mean, those little guys, all they do is swim around and eat. Yeah. The that cellulose layer underneath. Did the you bark. eat the tail? I've heard. Have you ever? I t- have not. I think I was watching. I think it was Meat Eater yeah. one time, and I think he, would, he ate the tail yeah, or the old, something like that. Old timers used to do it. It's basically, like a big chunk of gristle. Yeah, that's you just what. Just kind of gnaw on it for yeah. how long it takes. You. I think he said yeah, it had to be a pretty big beaver to actually get anything out of it. Really, yeah. I don't know that for a fact. I have to go back and watch it. So that's awesome. Well, that's like looking at all the. I don't know if we ever said, but Ethan brought a couple coyotes, a couple. He has a red fox, gray fox, a couple bobcats, uh, beaver. Uh, he had a little mink, bit of everything. Muskrat, mink, yeah, muskrat, otter, skunk. Yeah. Is there anything here, or is there anything not here that you can trap? The only thing not here is a badger, because I have yet to catch one. Um, and in southern Missouri, they have the nutria. It's like a basically a supersized muskrat. It's really? moved, moved up from the south. Yeah. And those are the only things that I know of that I don't have that Missouri has to offer. Now, other states, there is other animals, but right. I sure. don't have them yet. Yeah. Um, that's on the bucket list is to get those animals. That's pretty cool. Badger. I bet that would be a tough one. I've yeah. heard up where we go hunting up north, there's been 
spotting of a badger, but I've never seen one in life or anything like that. <laughs> I'm waiting for the day one shows up on your brother. <laughs> well, I'm sure. <laughs> that place has surprised me with everything else. Yeah. It's a funny story. A badger. Having an uncle was out filling sinkholes in a farm. <laughs> Ethan might probably knows oh, this. Oh, I know this story. This story. And it probably might be different than what I, I understand it as, but he was pushing in with his blade holes on the farm, right? Pushing a hole. Came back and I said, dug back out. I was like, what in the world? So he pushed it in and again, dug back out. Well, from my understanding <clears throat> how the story went, finally he pushed it in and he sat there <laughs> with a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> out pops this badger and he just smokes it in the head with a shovel <laughs> and just kills this badger and comes out of the hole. And I just, yeah, it was the craziest thing I ever. I didn't get to see it. Actually, I got to see the badger, but... Uh, I wonder how long he had to sit over that hole. Well, he, he, they pushed it in. He could see it starting to work. Like, oh, really? It, it was pretty, like, immediate. Like, it was in that hole, right, when he was doing it. And it started digging itself back out. And he grabbed the shovel off the tractor, and it popped out, and he just... Whap! <laughs> Whack-a-mole. <laughs> nice. Whack-a-badger. Very cool. That's awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. That, yeah. um, it's a lot of good information about trapping. I mean... You know, like you said, it's kind of almost like this dying thing that, you know, because they don't bring a lot of money anymore. Yep. Um, but I could see where this could be an addicting thing that I probably ought to um, check myself on before. Yeah. <laughs> before you get down that rabbit hole. Well, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility to it. I mean, you mm-hmm. got to be able to check them every day if you're yep. going to have them out. And, you know, I mean, that's what's You've got to do it ethically. Yeah, yep. you got to do it the right way, just that's like anything else. That's the main thing. I mean, I think, like, when I first thought about it, I immediately, like, went back to, like, Remember how Disney always showed you, like, the trap, and it was always this great big bear trap, mm-hmm. and it had teeth, and, like, if an animal got caught, it's whatever got ripped off. I mean, <clears throat> I think as a young age, we're all kind of, like, not almost brainwashed, but kind of made to think that these Scarier, things are scary and evil and whatnot, and they're really not. I mean, all they do is they basically can just kind of handcuff the animal to that spot until you get there, and if it's something that you want to catch, then you dispatch it, and if it's something that you don't, you let them go. I yeah, mean, didn't you, uh, uh, out of my place, didn't you get a little small possum? Yep. Um, yeah, I think possum, you yep. said, um, on one of the traps, and you... I just let him go. Let him out. Yep. Yeah. So that, that's the nice thing about the live traps. If you do trap something, you're not supposed yep. to. Yep. I mean, I've caught my fair share of domestic animals that weren't supposed to be there that ended up being there somehow. Yeah. And, I mean, just kind of walk up to them, just kind of calmly talk to them, just, hey, I'm here to let you go. You know, everything's all fine and dandy. Let them out of the trap, love on them, you know, and then kind of give them a swift kick in the butt and say, hey, get the hell out of here. Yeah. This is not a safe place for you to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, things like that are going to happen yeah. in this situation. Like I, mean, I said, my brother caught my dog one time, yep. and he must have not done a very good job because he, I'm pretty sure he pulled the trap out and then went to my brother's house <laughs> or something like that. It get this so, off me. Yeah. Uncle he, Matt, what the well, hell? He got him by the toe. I remember that. And so, luckily, my my ex-sister-in-law she was a vet or she works at a vet or whatever so she bandaged him up and he was fine obviously so it was just pretty funny story yeah Yeah, it's funny i mean that's kind of the beauty compared to like like i enjoy predator hunting but i mean trapping it's kind of if i don't want you i can let you go compared to predator hunting i mean you shoot some is dead yeah that's not right doesn't get much deader than that and you can't really let it go well that's cool it is i know you don't have any traps set right now like here you have them whatever it's called I open just, yeah i tripped them all because of the but storm but when in. they are set you're you're always hunting yep 
you're pass. I mean, you're passively hunting. It's working in the ground right. for me. I don't have to. Instead of us sitting here wishing we were hunting, he's doing. He, sitting yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Very cool. What's your favorite thing to trap? Is there is there one that sticks out? I don't know. I kind of. I'm starting to enjoy the water trapping more as I kind of dig more into it. Cause, I mean, it's fun to try to chase an otter or figure out beavers because they're very smart and they can become they can become educated very quickly. Gotcha. You know, if you miss one or if you have a like I. I caught one, and he left me his toe, and he slipped out of the traps, and it took me two weeks to finally catch him. You know, I had to be more patient than him, and I had to throw more tricks at him yeah. to finally toe. outsmart him. Oh, I mean, it was cool to be able to finally, you know, seal the deal on him. Yeah. Isn't and that it, uh, yeah, it's cool? So, and the, so would you say beaver's your favorite thing at this point to try to trap? I don't know. I'm still pretty fond of the coyotes and cats. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, I mean, it's a apex predator as far as this part right. of the country yeah do you ever put like trail cameras out over the traps to see what's happening i have before and like some of the older trail cameras that i had like the ir wasn't as good as like mm-hmm. nowadays ones so then like the animal i could see where they were checking out the set and then they would notice the camera, the camera. so it distract them from the trap yep so then i stopped doing that because i was just yeah. catching a lot of catching a lot of trash like possums and stuff in there because they don't care yeah, right. they're the quickest thing in a trap. It seems like as soon as you set it, and on a nice warm night, you can almost guarantee you're going to have possums the next. That's probably day. pretty frustrating because you're out there after a coyote, and here's something you don't want, yep. and now you have to wait again and go through the whole process. And and in my opinion, quite literally, the ugliest animal on the face of this planet. It is. I mean, they're an ugly <laughs> little creature, and they're kind of worthless. <laughs> yeah, they eat ticks and stuff. Yeah, they, they as, are. They are not beneficial. As, not but, as many, but they do eat some. Uh, but they are they are they are not attractive. I mean, like at least with a raccoon, right? Yeah, they they're, they, they they're good looking look, little little buggers, but they can be cute. <laughs> they're mean, but they yeah, can be very cute. Mean. Yeah, really mean. How um, in between? Like, let's say you trap a coyote. Mm-hmm. Can you go ahead and set another trap, or can you reset that trap? How yep. many times before? How long do you give a trap before you say, "Okay, this place is dead. We're not doing it no more." It depends. So, like the way my schedule works. Like, during the week, I only do checks. I don't do any remakes during the week. I wait until I have a day off to do all my remakes just because it takes so much time. And normally during the week, I have my daughter with me, who's two and a half, and I'm trying to keep her out of the cold as much as I can. So it's just pretty much run and gun all week and then, you know, dispatch whatever I catch. And then whenever I remake stuff on the weekend or my next day off, then I just keep going. I mean, I use the same trap until I finally just kind of, like, I give each place a couple weeks. And then I'm just like, all right, I'm done. Or if I go a long stretch where I don't catch anything because I don't want to overtrap the place, you know, I kind of want to leave some crop for next year. And just like, you know, with deer hunting, you don't want to shoot all the does after you kill your buck to kind of thin out the area. You want to be able to have something to come back to next year. Right. I mean, there's always certain ex- experiences where you want to be able to take out all the animals like a muskrat. Or if this beaver's causing damage, right. yeah, you want to take them all out. But, like, it's just, you know, recreational trapping, like, it's your brother's. I don't ever want to kill all the coyotes or I don't ever right. want to kill all the foxes or the cats. You know, I always want to leave that crop for future future use. Yeah, future enjoyment. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's kind of almost kind of like the ultimate conservationist tool. I mean, you know, you can kind of regulate how much you take out of the population and whatnot because the population can only hold so many. Right. You know, when you get that overpopulation, that's when disease and stuff starts moving in. And that's whenever the population of that animal will really suffer. It's mm-hmm. like the one coyote I caught Christmas Day at your that brother's place. Real mangy. He was real mangy. There's no way he'd have made it through this winter. 
Yeah. And half the fur was missing on his neck and his tail was almost bare. I mean, he was shivering. And it wasn't even, I mean, it was cold on Christmas Day, but it wasn't that cold. Right. Like, I don't know if he he may have survived this last snowstorm we had, but who knows. Yeah. I mean, and then that mange he would have took back to his herd or to his pack and spread it throughout there. Because, I mean, yeah. that mange is a tiny little mite that can transfer from animal to animal. I did not know that. Yep. I did not know what mange was. Yep. I knew. I mean, I know what it looks like, but I didn't right. know what caused it. It yeah. was tiny, nasty. tiny little mite that gets under the skin, and they just start scratching and itching, and huh. then start rubbing all their fur off, and it's a bad deal. And it can transfer from animal to animal. That's like if I that coyote that I caught that had mange, he didn't leave that farm. I'm not risking bringing that home because I have dogs at home. Yeah, you know, you don't want to take that chance of it coming home. Makes Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you kill one, just leave it. Huh? Yep, it's yeah. a, if it's a mangy dog, just leave him. I mean, a lot of guys will burn him on the spot, but I wasn't going to risk setting his hay field on fire. <laughs> 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 well, well, Alan, what the hell happened here? <laughs> well, funny story. <laughs> so, Alan, listen. See what happened. <laughs> you lost your whole backfield because I caught this one it's gonna coyote. Come, it's going to turn real pretty, real green this coming spring. <laughs> right. Don't you worry about it. Controlled burn, don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what had happened was <laughs> yeah well man we really appreciate you coming out and bringing all these furs and uh yeah no problem I'm glad i could come out and talk a little bit yeah talk some trapping it's uh we were excited to talk to you about it like, like we said we don't i don't know any other trappers um so it was kind of nice to know somebody that is uh good at it obviously right. about all kinds yeah. of cool stuff yeah Absolutely. So, you guys got any more questions? No, man. Anything? Anything else you want to add before we get off here? Anymore. No, I appreciate y'all letting me come on and talk about it. No awesome. problem, buddy. Awesome. Uh, want to check out your your? Do you have Instagram? Yep, my right. Instagram and Facebook. It's all of the the bearded trapper. I think my Instagram it's underscored in between each word. Um, yeah, and you always post everything pretty much that you get. Yep. Yeah, I try to keep it as pretty active as I can. I mean, mm-hmm. past few days, nothing's been going on because I wasn't going to try to run out and check traps in this weather. Yeah, yeah I don't blame you. Yeah. yeah, we'll tag you in the uh, the episode release so that people can uh, check out your pictures. Check out your stuff. You catch some cool stuff. Yeah, I try. That's to say the least. So. Yeah. Awesome. All Thanks, right, buddy. guys. All right, that's the show. I learned a lot on that one yeah i mean i've seen trapping done and stuff and i've obviously been following him for a while and so i I, you know see what he catches and stuff but i've never dug into it that deep yeah yeah i've learned a lot just from him talking to me you know back and forth just coming out to my house and trapping the last few weeks Mm -hmm. um so really i learned i I knew nothing i mean to be honest with you i I remember i was real young and a guy came out to trap our house uh, around dad's and I went with him to check, uh, he was checking beaver trap. You know, I just watched him get down in the water and check it. That's about the, literally the last experience I had with, yeah. with around or being around trapping. So, yeah, like we said in the show and stuff, it's kind of a lost art. You know, you know, people are kind of getting out of it. I mean, stuff, you don't but realize how. Well, it's very effective. If effective, mm-hmm. and then you don't very, realize, very I mean, like this otter right here, I don't know, pick up that he brought out. I mean, you get these things tanned and. They're gorgeous, mm-hmm. and I mean, you really get an idea of how they, how these animals really, you know, feel. I guess you'd call it when they're not filthy. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's really it's really cool to see them, you yeah. know, all all brought out. So I mean, thanks to Ethan for bringing them with him. He didn't need to do that. Yeah, and another cool thing, if you listened, uh, we're going to be doing a giveaway. Uh, Ethan has donated three furs 
that he's going to give away. Three pelts? Is that Three, what you got to call them? Furs, pelts, I, it's all the same. Mm, sure. So he's giving away a beaver, a coyote, and a raccoon. And so to be entered into that giveaway, what you have to do is we asked him what he or He, he said. He said. At some what, point in the show. At some point in the show, he said what the first thing he trapped was. And so what you need to do is you need to get on either Instagram or Facebook and private message us. DM, I think. Yeah, DM. Slide into our DMs. <laughs> yeah, slide into those DMs and tell <laughs> us what the first thing he trapped was. And you're going to be entered into that. And the way we'll do it, there will be three winners. The first person that gets drawn first, they get to pick which fur they want and so on and so forth. Yep. So, you know, listen up, pay attention to what he said. Hopefully you Hopefully yeah. you don't have to go uh, back and re-listen. Yes, yeah, so what we'll do is actually um, the date. So this will drop on a Tuesday. Um, we will give it until Friday for people to yeah, that's, uh, yeah. sure send us their answers. Yeah, if they send us the right answer, we'll enter them into the drawing, and we will draw uh, we'll draw three um, numbers or whatever three people. Yep. First person we draw. We'll get to pick first their first pelt they want, second the second pelt, and the third person gets the last one that wasn't taken, and uh, that sounds fun. Any one of them are oh yeah, they're awesome. all yeah, awesome. They're, they're beautiful, really cool. Um, I'd and, go with the beaver uh, if it was me. If I got picked first, just saying, beaver's pretty. There you sweet. go. Micah would go with the beaver. I went with the coyote. Really? Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, and if you don't want one of them. Don't enter, right? I mean, these yeah. are these are you know we want these to go this, to somebody that is, wants. I to mean, pelt, we're not right? throwing this giveaway at you guys. We're not going to be posting it on social media. This is just going to be. Well, we are. So we'll post it, but not like you yeah. know, it's not like a normal giveaway. This right, is a giveaway right. that Ethan was. You have to really appreciate this stuff. Yeah, Ethan was nice enough to, to donate to these. Yeah, and I mean, so we don't want work. someone taking one of these that's just going to. Um, you know, throw it in the garbage or not do something with it. We right. want somebody to, to take these pelts and yeah, enjoy them. Yeah, and appreciate yeah. them because, I mean, they're really cool. They really are, and they, they'd look good anywhere. So, yeah, we really appreciate Ethan uh, donating those to us. So, yeah. thank you, Ethan. So Awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for us, guys. Uh, we'll holler at you the next time. See ya.